Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. This is Weldy sitting with Andrew here to recap another week of exciting Husky hockey. And um, it's always a good feeling when you sweep Duluth. A little bit bit of a surprise, uh, I have to admit. But uh, two incredibly different type of games. Um, And uh, it was just, uh, I I don't know, I kind of felt like it was... A little bit of a character win here, a uh, character series for the Huskies. And I'm, yeah, I've, I'm just ecstatic with how it turned out and happy that the uh, ended the Bulldogs with being winless in November. So that's uh, uh, it's always, it's always great to see, uh, to see the uh, Huskies prevail, especially against the, the dreaded Bulldogs. Uh, how did you feel about, uh, about the Husky squad this weekend? Yeah, it's it's obviously great to to sweep those guys. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think they're particularly good this year. Right? Certainly, right now they're not playing very well, and so especially on Saturday, kind of the inability to sort of stretch that lead out. Yeah, I was I was uh, on pins and needles there at the end, just to the last drop. Uh, it's a they're they're a tough out when these two teams play each other. Um, so. Considering the, I mean, it was it was a weekend that reminded you how much this rivalry has grown because the end of the game fisticuffs on Friday. Um, expecting maybe even a little bit more of that on Saturday. Surprised not I, to see it a ton. Yeah, of I I expected like the whole game to be like that. Uh, like any little bump into somebody else after the whistle was gonna turn into a scrum. But yeah, we gotta we gotta sh- we we gotta fiery shootout on all cylinders for that Saturday game. But that's rivalry games. You can kind of toss records out of the window and uh, you got to play games that you need to, you know, you need to dig a little deeper. Uh, The Huskies were tested this weekend with, with depth forced Mm -hmm. to because of some illness that's going around the locker room as well as some injuries. Um, and for them to, especially that Saturday game with Hall out, um, Reiner's out with an injury, might be out with for an extended time. We saw guys like Caleb Tyson enter the lineup for the first time this year. Uh, and then when Molinar goes out with the major, you're left with, I think, 10 forwards for the remainder of that game. And uh, he couldn't, he couldn't hide a guy like, like Tyson because uh, they were so shorthanded, but scoring six goals with a shorthanded yeah. lineup like that um, is definitely a good sign. So uh, I, again, I, I think he had a chance on Saturday, especially how the game started. We'll, 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 we'll go with the full recap of Friday here too, but I was a little underwhelmed because I thought that you could have really kind of won a game going away there on Saturday, especially after that first fluke goal goes in. Um, the Rogers play um, Rogers. thinking maybe this will be a, you know, a laugher, uh, but uh, more of a high scoring affair that, um, like I said, uh, heart was beating till the, the final horn. But like I said, it's, it's a intense rivalry at this point and getting a sweep in, in any sort of uh, rivalry matchup like this 
is great. And six and zero to start the conference slate—it's fantastic. I mean, just such a flip of the script. I remember going into this month, we had a question about like, what do they need to do in in November to to turn this around? Six and two. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's a start. It'll at least get you to 500. And, and, uh, and, but it's like, I don't know if that's how that's really possible at this point. Well, you're six and no now to do mm-hmm. anything to go six and two would be kind of disappointing now, because that means he'd be swept <laughs> uh, this coming weekend, which we'll, we'll be previewing here later, but they've certainly righted the ship to the extent where they're in first place. And it seems like they're, they're getting better. Uh, I, I haven't been like blown away from the perspective of their their boat racing teams left and right of the six wins here it's really only been one true laugher which was the six nothing miami game i every you know then you had a three nothing game in in western which i think was tighter than the score maybe uh indicated but the others are all one goal games and now you're going to need to win one goal games it's hockey most most Mm -hmm. games are going to be one goal but it, they they don't look dominant to the extent where some Huskies teams in, in recent history have, but that's okay. I think this is a different kind of type of team. Yeah. The identity seems to be molding into, you know, the rap kind of mentality with that, you know, the lower lines. And now we got freshmen contributing in key ways like Tyson Gross and Jack Ryman, who we'll, we'll touch on, uh, the guys that we expected to be studs in this team, namely Anhorn and Elkabi, I still really haven't seen a ton out of them this year. But it's the other guys. It's it's the Molinars and it's the the freshmen that are coming up and playing key roles in in games here and there and taking turns as far as who's going to take the spotlight. That's a different style that we've seen or that we've grown accustomed to. And that's, we're seeing, you can be successful just as well with that recipe as well. So, and then if you, if you imagine that guys like Anhorn and Nokabi will kick it into high gear, then truly watch out. So yeah, I couldn't, um, I couldn't be more happy with the way that this team has responded since the slow start and uh, being able to continue sort of the Duluth misery here winless in november eight game winless streak i mean about damn time for that they're long overdue for just a bottom falling out kind of year and i'm all i'm here for that all day long (laughs) sorry dan jacobson i love this is a schadenfreude podcast because not only am i happy about the husky success but i'm doubly happy for the the uh bulldogs failure i mean and that's tough for the Bulldogs losing Dominic James. And then you look over at oh, Michigan. I'm, we- I'm weeping. I'm weeping for them. <laughs> you look over at Michigan State and their uh, leading score right now, uh, sitting at the top is Isaac Howard. I like Ike. Uh, <laughs> who, uh, who bolted after one season there in Duluth. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, let's just uh, let's talk first uh, Friday's game. Two to one affair, um, and it was kind of a tense game um, all around, and a lot of um, like um, I, th- I thought SESU. I thought the Huskies played you know very well defensively. The only goal that they scored was on the power play, which we talked about earlier or in last podcast. Um, Alex and I were talking about how, you know, their power play is dynamic and they were able to move the puck well. 
And it showed really all weekend there. I thought uh, the loose power play and their extra attacker um, situations, they were incredibly good and opportunistic when it comes to it. Um, Ryman, he gets his first um, uh, on assist from um, Adam Ingram. Uh, that was a heck of a play. Um, Adam's pass to see him. And then Ryman's shot was a shot that I don't think I've seen from him ever. I mean, obviously it's his first goal and mm-hmm. he's a freshman. So of course, you know, but it, it was a, it, it was a cannon. I didn't really uh, expect to see out of him. Um, and then uh, late in the third, um, you know, it's, it's at crunch time, tight game, uh, one goal game. And it's, it's that, it's that first line uh, that we trot out there on the score sheet of uh, Kupka, Solquist and Molinar that we were thinking a few weeks ago, like, what are we doing putting these guys as our top line? And sure enough, all they do is just keep producing. And then you had, um, you know, I just a heck of a play by Solquist. And I tweeted about it too. Um, coming from behind the net, gets the puck, his stick's not in a position. So he uses his skate to kick the puck um, up to him, able to, you know, kind of wrap it out in front where Molinar again, just hard nose finds a soft spot in the ice puts it in uh and then the the fisticuffs start start coming the penalties um and uh you had some skirmishes there which kind of set up saturday's tilt till what i thought was going to be kind of that same uh same brawl like atmosphere but we got a completely different game um uh obviously the big takeaway after that uh luke lowheight uh from from duluth uh uh, just uh, takes a five minute major in a game misconduct right at the buzzer. This is one of those things. Barrett Hall gets a roughing penalty with Blake Biondi and rough a penalty with like six seconds left to go in the game. And they're adding some more time on. And anytime you're adding on more time with six seconds left or anything like that, you know, after a scrum, like it's, it's going to happen again. So, um, uh, sure enough, Lloyd takes the, uh, Takes the cross-checking penalty, five-minute major, game misconduct, gets supplemental discipline, one one game suspension, didn't play on Saturday. Uh, so that help, or, uh, hurt the Bulldogs' de- uh, uh, depth even a little bit more because um, low height, I think, is, um, uh, you know, kind of w- one of their better players. So um, overall, in- incredibly plus with the defensive effort. Um, Bassey, I thought, played well but wasn't tested a ton. Um, but when he was tested, I think there was a couple of chances that kind of held my breath, but he was, he was able to stand tall. Um, so it was, uh, I was really impressed by just that aspect of the game that kind of all came together there on Friday. Agree with that, uh, assessment. Um, yeah, so Ryman, I thought had a great game here. Scores, obviously, that goal, as you mentioned, great uh, feed from Ingram uh, and just a nice laser shot to to beat, uh, I think it's Tyson for Duluth, and I don't know if it is Tyson, uh, um, Caleb uh, Tyson for the Huskies. I'm mm-hmm. not sure of the pronunciation. I'm pretty sure it's Tyson, the goalie for Duluth, though, who played well on, on Friday, did not play well on Saturday, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but a good a good uh, play there. Uh, and Ryman too, I think you mentioned the, the, the play on the game winner with, with Molinar. 
and obviously the nice feed from Sulquist going unheralded, uh, at least in the box scores, Ryman on that play. If you if you take that play back 10 seconds, he goes in on the it was kind of a, a puck was in the air and it was dropped sort of harmlessly into loose zone. And Ryman was the only ch- uh, four checker on that play. He's like one on two, maybe one on three coming into the zone. Rest mm-hmm. of the line was going off in a line change. Ryman makes a nice play at intercept the clearing pass from the Duluth defender, steals it from him, does a little stick handle, and then just kind of dumps it. He's off the ice, but the puck never left the zone. He kept the puck in the zone there and I, I think deserves some credit for kind of allowing that play to develop because it was kind of a you know, harmless looking play that Duluth is going to clear it out. And while St. Cloud makes a quick change here, Ryman would have been off the ice by the time the goal scored, but still I think he deserves some credit for keeping the play active. And yeah. so that those sort of plays, the ones that sort of go undetected in the score sheet, um, they don't go undetected by, by me though. And so <laughs> again, a, a guy like him, who's, you know, the, scoring the first, score sheet, the one that matters. Right. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got more where that comes from. Oh, you just wait. Uh, we got another game plus to <laughs> to uh, recap. So, uh, yeah, the, the re- Ryman, I think, was was it's just it's a very difficult pow choice for me because there was a lot of guys that had one good game, one not so good game or guys that played only one game be- based on illness. <laughs> and so it's a tough choice. But uh, Ryman certainly in the running for that. I'm going to keep you in suspense uh, as far as who my actual pick is. Uh, And that, that Molinar goal, uh, that's his third straight goal. That's essentially the same type where he's on Mm -hmm. the back door. Um, We remember the last, his, his third goal in the hat trick game against Miami was similar in that uh, where he just kind of taps in an open net after a nice clearing pass to him. And he did that right after the power play ended in, in Western Michigan for the, I believe it was the third goal of the three nothing win on Saturday in Western. So his last three wins have kind of been of that variety where he's just sort of the right place at the right time. But you see where he's like his scoring sheet. He's really putting up a Cy Young season so far. Seven goals, <laughs> one assist. I you look at his scoring sheet though, it's pretty much going to be within a five foot perimeter of the net. It's going to be a much different scoring sheet than like Mietnins, whose will be yeah. like more sort of the dots and further. But Molinar's because you know, he's a he's got a nose for the net and he's going to be around that area and you know, you're going to that, that, that's such a prime scoring chance scoring uh, area. I'm surprised that more players don't um, don't hunt for for points like that more well, more frequently. But glad that yeah. Molinar is doing it. Yeah, and I feel like that's actually something that the Huskies have been missing, and like especially like some of those later Motsko years, is that we didn't have some of those dirty goals. We did have a lot of the flashy players, and obviously that worked out well, but obviously it ended up crashing and burning when we needed to face kind of a grinded out type game where we needed somebody there to to kind of bang one in or, or find that soft spot in the ice. Yeah, it's, I mean, that bumper play, not to that extent, but more the guy in the back door, the Ryan Lash play in the power play, let's uh, probably made it, he made a career here with that. Doesn't seem like that they run that so much these days. It seems like a pretty typical power play uh, play that's in most teams' playbooks. But for St. Cloud, they're just in love with the give it to Mietnin at about the top of the dots 
on the power play. I, I wish that they would try to cycle that through on power play situations, perhaps as a personnel issue, but they don't have a perfect guy for that. I think, that, again, you've got guys like Okabe and Mietnin that have great shots and just kind of put them a little lower in the zone. I, I like that idea a little bit better. But Yeah, I mean, um, something needs to happen with the power play. I mean, <laughs> that's... It's just, I, we, we seem to say it every, the last couple of years now. It's just, it produces to the extent that a kind of a one note power play can produce uh, effectively. It's, it's not a bad power play. It's above average in terms of it's always north of 20% and sometimes even higher than that. But so I can't, t- you know, complain too much about it. But as we've said, it's just from an aesthetic standpoint, it tends to go hot and cold. You can put up a bunch of goals in one game and then go cold for two weeks without a power play goal using that same sort of setups. And depends really how hot Mietnin is. And thankfully he's been hot so far this year. But like looking at the power play right now, we're 10 for 50 on the power play. So we're sitting right at right there at 20%, right there at 20%, but that's also four for six against St. Thomas. So, so I mean, that's six power play goals here that we've had, um, uh, other than that, uh, St. Thomas game. So that's where it's like, you know, getting it and working it down low, I think. Um, cause when I was at the game on Friday on the power play, Mietnin had about two or three, I thought incredibly good looks at it and sailed it wide. Now I'm not going to be one yeah. to criticize VD's play at all <laughs> so far this season. It's been above my expectations, but at the same time, it's like when that's kind of your only shooter that you're feeding and when, you know, things are just rising up above and it's missing the net a little bit, like you got to have an option B. And it seems like we don't have that at yeah. this point. But as, as you said, it's a tight game. Um, the, I mean, we, we've got to touch a little bit on the officiating, which was <laughs> uh, a gong show. Because uh, I thought that, the penalties they were calling, I thought were weird. And the ones they weren't calling, it was almost like yeah. they were calling the non penalties and then they were letting the actual penalties go, which at up until about five minutes to go in the game, I was fine with that. That all kind of evens out in the while before the Ashan five minute major, I'll say like the first two periods. I'm like, yeah, it's basically all, you know, comes out in the wash. Both of the goalie interferences, the one that um, Duluth took, uh, which that was that on low height. Uh, I believe it was, I thought it was in the first period, but the goal, the goalie interference that Duluth took, that was a play where Falk, I thought did more of a penalty. He he held the Duluth skater, uh, kind of bear hugged him. And then the Duluth guy crashes into Bassey and they call the Duluth player for interference. And then the Anhorn penalty for goalie interference, which I believe was after they scored the go-ahead goal. Yes, shortly thereafter. That was a terrible call. Um, Both of those were bad. And again, when they were letting so many kind of blatant penalties go, it's no surprise that the game kind of spiraled out of control at the end. And I mean, this this is what happens um, when you got Dan Drager involved, who has been doing this for the entirety of the conference. I remember it clearly when my love affair, which by that, I mean my hatred affair of Dan Drager stemmed back from the very first year as a game against Western Michigan at home, uh, that it was, 
they they waved off a game tying goal for the Huskies at the very end, a dubious sort of whistle that the goalie like apparently covered the puck, but he didn't. And and some bad penalties. And the Drager is the worst in terms of I can live with bad a bad officiated game. I'm sort of used to it at this point. Drager's problem though is he's bad and he's conspicuous in his badness because he's always demonstrative in his calls. He makes a big show of it. He he's very uh, willing to put his stamp on the game and to make sure that he, you notice him. And that's the worst combination. I think when, when it comes to officials, they should, you should, they should be invisible. The best, best uh, officials. You shouldn't notice them. The, Drag the, Drager, you know that it's a, it's a game that he's, it's he's a Milford called. school. They uh, should be seen and not heard is <laughs> kind of the, the best. That's aspect. true. So. Yeah. I mean, it was a defensive battle and, I'm going to push back a little bit on St. Cloud's defensive play this weekend. I mean, yeah, one goal on Friday, the five on Saturday. I I, I thought their defense was given Duluth a little way too much space to work with. Even that power play goal on Friday, the only one they scored, which was a power play goal. It was on the tail end of the five-minute major on Ashan. You look at that replay, it seemed like the the, the Perkins, who's the goal scorer, was left way, I mean, just completely off on his own. I think you should have you should have been able to cover him a little bit better than that, well, and not give him so much time and space for a, to make a nice shot on glove high. Uh, actually, we should say, uh, or, or excuse me, blocker side blocker, on blocker side, yeah. on Bassey. Uh, now, naturally, true, but at the same time, I think that and that goal, and then also quite a few goals the next uh, the next night as well were a result of what I thought that the biggest issue was, not necessarily their defense and their structure, but was the failed clears. Because I think in that instance on the Friday power play goal that they let up, there were about three chances where we had a chance and it it was blocked. So I guess a little bit of kudos does go to Duluth for being able to keep the puck in the zone and whatnot. But you can't give any team in the NCHC that many chances to – to, to turn around much less a team that's 30 some percent on the power play. So, and there were a couple of times also, it's like you, you get it out, get it out. And once you saw that we weren't able to get it out and we were a little bit out of position three seconds later, it was in the back of the net. And so it, it's, you know, maybe just being a little bit more consistent in that aspect of it, I, th- I think was really the only reason Duluth was in that game on Saturday. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a little sloppy, um, and and that might have been because you are kind of playing shorthanded, and then you had a guy like Tyson play his first game back there, who I thought held his own. He wasn't like spectacular, but I, I don't think he was terrible either. But I thought a little bit a little bit looser than I'd like to think. I mean, there was another another bad giveaway by Anhorn that sprung a Duluth player for a breakaway on Friday. It's uh, it's been a little troubling. I know he got three assists on Saturday, but. Uh, look at those goals. Like there were two of them were second assists where he really didn't even factor much into the scoring. And the other one was a shot that he took and then was a rebound chance. I don't even know if I really count those as true assists. I mean, he's putting up points. He's nearly a point per game player, but I think those can be a little deceiving and particularly seeing, I, I think he was fine defensively on Saturday, um, but he doesn't seem to have played like two games a weekend that I've been impressed with. He's kind of had a one, one bad, one good uh, all year. And so again, my bar for him is quite high, but the expectation bar is lowering a little bit because I'm not quite 
sure we're going to get to the Hobie Anhorn that we were hoping and expecting this year. But, but yeah, I think that the, um, uh, certainly on Friday, you give up one goal to a team. And again, Duluth's not like a high powered offense. Um, you know, especially considering that they get so many goals, or, you know, high percentage of their offense coming from special teams. But, um, but you know, it, it like I said, you, you kind of throw out a lot of, uh, a lot of stats and a lot of, um, conventional wisdom when you, when you pair two, two rivals like this together. And, and yeah, I think Duluth was going to find a way to, to make, keep it close in both of these games. And they were that Saturday game, as you said, if you want to transition to that, I mm-hmm. agree that the thought process going into that game was going to be another kind of rough and tumble, low scoring affair. And maybe that flute goal from Rogers right away, sort of, uh, that's the butterfly effect. We we were primed for a two to one battle, but then that sort of just opened the floodgates a little bit. And from that point on, it was, uh, you know, offensive Donnybrook. Um, you know, every time it seemed that the Huskies would, would get a lead, then Duluth would answer back. Duluth never had a lead. I don't believe um, they're always chasing, but they are always never too far out of the game. Um, and getting two goals in the last minute of both the first and the second period just were yeah. killers because you're thinking, all right, at least go in the locker room, you got a lead here, and then he can maybe maybe look to expand that lead. But those goals in the last minute of periods are always sort of moment, momentum changers. And but Duluth doing that in both first two periods kept that game tight. And then when CC St. Cloud get out to the two to two goal lead, thinking, all right. Now we can maybe stretch it out here and put this team away finally. But, you know, Duluth finds a way to keep it, keep it close, get another one. St. Cloud answers late in the third. You're thinking, all right, finally, here we go. Uh, But they get that fifth goal too. So it's a one goal game right down to the last, uh, the last uh, second. And, uh, but able to, to gut out a win. Like I said, you know, we're playing shorthanded there. Um, yeah, Gross. So Gross was Gross was hurt or uh, um, had the flu or whatever is going around. He was out on Friday, but he played on Saturday. Played pretty well. We'll get into that. Mm. But then Hall must have caught what he had because he was sick. Uh, we've heard that Mason Reiners has an injury, which may keep him out of the lineup uh, more than just this last weekend, which is kind of the primary reason I think that we saw. Uh, Tyson Tyson, however, we're pronouncing him for the Huskies first action for him this year. Um, and, uh, no Solquist as well, uh, which, um, you know, we've been, we've been saying how much he's, he's contributed here, not just in the faceoff circle. It's nice that we don't just tell, say about how great he's, uh, in the faceoff circle, but, you know, key assist on Friday and, that line with him and Molinar and uh, Kupka have been have been great this this whole year, um, and so not having him for Saturday was obviously a big blow as well. So playing shorthanded, and I should mention too, uh, we haven't mentioned him yet. I was really impressed with Ryan Rosborough this weekend, who was thrust into action based on these injuries and illnesses. He played like a guy who's been itching to play and hasn't hasn't for a, a month and change. I think he only played in one game this year, maybe two. Um, I, I know he got some action in the St. Thomas series, um, but I'm not sure. I don't think he's played in at least a month, but I thought he, 
he was able to create some good offensive chances, had four shots in one of these games, I know. Uh, and so nice to see guys step up like that. And if you are needing to tap into your depth, uh, like they're kind of forced to at this point in the season, it's nice to know that you're going to have guys like Rosborough on ice uh, who can answer the bell, uh, maybe not score points necessarily, but I thought he was a good energy spark and, I was impressed to see his um, his uh, compete level out there and create some good chances for the team as well. Um, so I did want to mention him um, uh, in in this weekend's recap. But I don't. Yeah. So he um, I mean, he played the second game against St. Thomas and the first game against Mankato. OK, so. Yeah, it's like five weeks maybe that he hadn't mm-hmm. seen the ice. Yep. But um, yeah, we mentioned the Rogers sort of flute goal, you know, just kind of poking a kind of a poke check. It wasn't even a shot really, uh, but uh, I don't even yeah. know. I'm sure where uh... the clearing attempt for the Duluth defender. I think the Duluth defender too, that Pierce, he's a natural forward. He's playing the point, I think, because of their injury slash low height suspension kind of mm-hmm. they had to shuffle their lineup a little bit as well so he was kind of playing out of position and it showed and tyson or Tyson had for the goalie i'm talking about for duluth he must not have been paying attention because that that yeah. somehow sneaks in those uh, are those are one of the goals that you're playing in like uh nhl 24 or something like that and it happens in the first game and you're like nope turning it off reset we're starting that game over that doesn't happen in real life and sure enough it happens like that right just kind of a fluke bounce yeah and then you had uh so vd with two goals um you know the first now, goal re- rebound chance on the power play uh which which i was you know and you had tyson gross as well he was the one camping out providing the initial screen on the anhorn shot so that right. caught my attention. I was like, okay, not only is Gross, I mean, I mean, Gross did, you know, that Salquist spot for better or worse, but that's, um, so I guess it makes sense that we'll put him there. But, you know, at least, you know, Rosborough is a little bit of a bigger body. Um, but uh, he definitely was in the right spot to provide that screen, bounce over to uh, Vividi, who was able to just kind of, place it where it needs to be and like i said so that puts you up two to one you're thinking pretty good going into the locker room up 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 a goal but then duluth another one of those like you thought that you had a chance to clear the puck mm-hmm. and just a play out of nothing just shot at the end of the period gets by bassy i think he was screened there was a couple yeah. of these i mean bassy did not play great he had that he was beat on the wraparound chance later in the game um yeah i think he was dealing with some traffic as well but um I think some of those you'd like to have back. Uh, but again, just a killer from a momentum standpoint, because you're thinking going into the period up a goal, you know, instead you're, you're tied and back into, back into brand new hockey at, at with a goal at 1959. Those are always killers, but yeah. uh, come back. And I, you know, that, that gross goal, similar in, in some sense to the Ryman goal, the, the Ingram pass to Ryman for the Friday goal was, in the offensive zone within the zone, whereas the uh, gross play was set up with a nice clearing pass from the neutral zone by El Cabi. I think that was his hundredth point. Yep. Um, and uh, a great, you know, similar in terms of the, the, the shots, um, Ryman and gross, both lasering one by Tyson uh, for Duluth. And 
like Ryman, it's Gross's first goal. And like I said, I really liked Ryman on Friday. He would have been my player of the game, my my pog for Friday. Gross would have been my pog on Saturday because the goal, the assist in the third period on the Kupka goal, we'll get to that. Also, 15 out of 22 in the faceoff dot. Uh, yeah. Best faceoff guy, especially we're talking about, he may have – Maybe not been the one for one switch for Solquist, but maybe in spirit he was because he's taking the the most draws. That game, that game he definitely was. Werner took a couple of the key ones at the end too, and we saw that in the St. Thomas game where where Solquist was thrown out, um, taking a major, and, and yet Werner was was the uh, Omega was the uh, uh, key faceoff guy at the end of that game, and he was sort of in that in that. Uh, role as well in this game towards the end, but gross was taking some big ones too. And so nice to see him step up. I think he's been playing well all year. It's just, he's, he hasn't played consistently. And like I said, he was, you know, I thought a good weekend last weekend in Western, but then caught that flu bug or whatever has been going around. So he was only able to play on, on uh, Friday night, but came back uh, with a bang on Saturday. Um, and again, thinking maybe you're, controlling the game here again going into that final minute but your guy gelatin jello jello, jello for for west or uh for Duluth. that's a gelatin first of uh two first of two for for him on the night and they're both sort of similar kind of shots like you know top of the circles you know nice shots but again i think he found some traffic in front and bassy may not have seen the seeing the uh, puck all the way there and again sort of a deflating goal to go into the intermission there tied in at three not only that as you know you had a couple of chances to clear the puck on the beyond a goal um especially but then this this skeleton this goal the skeleton goal was just like even more so is like you had a puck maybe not even more so actually that other one you had about three chances but this one was like like you make any other play there that puck gets out of the zone the play that you did make you cough it up and then you go to him on the back door who's able to streak in take two strides and fire a heck of a shot past Bassie. so it was just one of those other instances where it's like God, just get it out of the zone just play it simple and then instead you're going in tied and then of course i was like all right we've got kind of a barn burner on our hands i I was, you know, kind of a little bit deflating um, to see another, you know, last minute goal kind of go against the Huskies. But, you know, come back after an admission and two goals in the first three minutes and change. Um, Kupka from Gross. uh, On one of their failed clears. Yep. (laughs) It was just a good... It was just a bunch of failed clears all around. Good keep there by Gross and then... Uh, Kupka kind of picking up the trash on the doorstep with a nice goal there. And then, and then this Mietman, uh kind of redirect shot or pass, I guess, from Okabe. Um, I'm not, yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, like a one-timer. Yeah. Like I, I put out a poll on Twitter and I said, goal was a tip or was it a one-timer? And I got so many people that were like a deflection or a redirect or something like that, which I consider that all a tip. Like in my same vernacular, that's all a tip in um, or a tip. I think shot. it was more of a one timer. But but I mean, it, it's weird because it's like 
he did like swing his stick like it was a one timer, but at the same time he started with his like back to the goal yeah. and it was like a turnaround one timer and it was just but it, I don't know. It was it was at any rate, it was one of the coolest goals I've seen because I think it also wasn't on the ice because my seats were for the third period. I sat with a coworker who was in like row seven in that section. And I like, I think it was even off the ice a little bit, which is even more impressive, but it was, I mean, it was a hell of a hell of a redirect that was, that was able to find, uh, find the back of the net. Yeah, so I struggled to describe it because I'm not sure exactly how you would classify it, but yeah. it was a nice, a nice, nice goal. And again, here you're thinking, finally get a two goal lead here, and can you just get some distance between this team? That's when a couple minutes later, it's uh, Olson's wraparound goal, um, second one of those this year that Bassie's bitten on, and neither of them looked pretty, uh, at least from a St. Cloud perspective. And so five to four, especially because that was like also a rush. So that was like way on the like the puck was way on the other side. They come down, wrap around and it's in. It was just one of those. Geez, what the heck happened? Why weren't we able to kind of shore that defense up and not let that happen? And it's in your Pat did uh, clinching time, uh, (laughs) uh, cheek clinching time at the end of the game and. Prior to then, kind of waiting for Duluth to pull pull their goalie, it's getting to be that time. But then Ingram pops one in. Uh, I thought a nice setup from Lutke on that play, uh, and again, finally saying, "All right, can we can relax? We can breathe easy now." Um, six to four, um, but shortly after six to five, and it's like here we go again. And uh, you know, the, the last minute and a half there after they scored the goal to make it six to five. Um, you know, they had some chances. It it, it wasn't as heart wrenching as I thought it would be. Um, but uh, some key face off wins there. Um, from Yetnin and Gross, and uh, not able to get a, an empty netter there, but still able to hang on for for the key sweep. And I thought again, maybe after that final whistle, you get a little little bit of goonery, a little bit of that. But uh, but they were still. And, and I this is one of those ones where I had to watch the handshake line. Because yeah. it's, it's one of those ones where you're like, mm, not exactly sure that this is going to go off smoothly, but it did. And uh, put it in the books, uh, sweep for the sweep for the good guys. Mm-hmm. Sitting there, to, like you said, uh, top of the standings. Um, obviously, we do have to put a little bit of an asterisk in there since we played six and North Dakota's played four. Um, both um, are... Um, unbeaten in conference play um so as far as your weekend though you got me on pins and needles um with gross and and ryman those were your pogs uh for each game uh switching on over then uh what do, what do you got for your uh for your player of the weekend Who do you got I, I i can't i can't take multiple right that's that's against that's against the rules i can't i mean take you two. can i'll no just, I, uh, I think you i'll just rag you for it that's i just funny. said the, the guys that played two times this weekend i can't give it to bassy i really can't give it to anhorn based on what i've said um okabi was better um I guess I'll go Ingram. Oh, yeah. And like, oh, man, with Okabe and it was, I think it was in the second period. 
where like the puck was just laying like almost on the goal line for Okabe just to kind of tap it in. And it was just, I mean, that's how snake bitten he is um, that he can't buy a goal right now. Uh, Good sign though, that he's coming through with some playmaking here. Like he's, he's able to, to get past the century mark through a couple of um, assists and some like, not just like cheap second assists either. Like I mm-hmm. mentioned the, the assist, the pass on the gross play, yeah. uh, the, the, the play to set up the Vietnam. Was it a one-timer? Was it a deflection? Was it a, whatever we're going to call it? That was it a, a, a nice kind of, it was intentional. It wasn't quite a pass. It wasn't a shot necessarily, but it was a hard pass with intent there for Vietnam to do something with it. And it, it worked to perfection. So it's not, it, usually if a guy's like snake bit like that, it's more like like the plays that you've mentioned, like just unable to snipe one in, and and sometimes that that lingers into your other aspects of the game, and you might not be as willing to set other guys up because you're so frustrated to get yourself on the score sheet. But it's good to see him spread the love around, even if he can't pop one in himself. So he yeah he 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 was improved this weekend. I said I'll, I'll go with Ingram though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think he blew me away, but he had plenty of shot. I mean, he's a guy that he is still maturing. Um, and I think he's, I mean, we saw some good, some good assists this weekend. Like we mentioned with the uh, Ryman goal on Friday, great pass there. I think he's sometimes to a fault trying to play make a little bit more. Whereas I think sometimes he's got open shots that he should take rather than dish just based on his his shot um, and his skills. But I think that's a good problem to have because he's a guy that, as we've seen, has some good playmaking abilities as well as finishing abilities. Uh, I just feel like we haven't quite gotten to the fully locked in 100% Ingram here. Mm-hmm. But what we're getting so far, I mean, he's putting up a, a good season uh, points-wise. Um, I'm just double-checking here. I mean, he's... he's uh, I'm on the women's team. He's got 11 points. So, I mean, he's on pace for a 30 plus point season at this point. And I still, like I said, I don't think he's like reached the top level, unlocked the top skill level yet. It's, it's there though. We're going to see it and it might be by the end of this year. And so this was a weekend where like, it was a tough choice. Like I've just mentioned all the show, like he wasn't like the obvious candidate here, but out of a lot of worthy candidates for a guy that put in, I thought had, Good key contributions in both games. I'm going to go with Ingram. How about you? No, no, I love it. Uh, let's head up to uh, Go Huskies Woo. Uh, who says Jack Rogers? And uh, no, but he did make sure. Oh, I uh, know. <laughs> to let me know. Goal score is goal. He said in all caps, and he about his goal. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Super impressed with the sweep. Obviously, face adversity uh, with the illness. Dude stepped up. Gross, Ryman, VT, Okabe's 100th finally came about. Uh, power play was sad. <laughs> um, questionable majors all weekend. Uh, good power play on Friday. Hard to judge uh, Saturday with such kind of a ragtag team. Uh, it's way too early, uh, but we're definitely in the driver's seat for the Penrose based on the remaining schedule. Um, a lot of that's going to come down to, obviously, the um the Duluth and uh, North Dakota series that we've got here coming right after that Denver or Denver sorry, North Denver, Dakota Denver North Dakota we played Duluth the last weekend 
Um, uh, I feel that there's, uh, I still think there's a ton of improvement that can happen from this team, uh, which makes me happy. And also uh, wondering what happened to Dylan Anhorn. So you guys are kind of both on the same page when it comes to to Anhorn. Um, I, I, I guess I thought he had a better weekend than you guys did. Um, I, I, I thought he was, he's starting to kind of come to his own. Um, whereas he did have a little bit of a slow start to the season, but I, I, I thought he played solid all, all weekend. So, um, but he is going with a guy who was impactful all weekend. Uh, he's going with his, uh, his pal is Bowser, uh, the King Kupka. So uh, the king of the Kupkas, uh, Kyler Kupka, is going to be his uh, his pal, which I thought was an interesting choice. I thought he was, but um, I thought you know a lot of people played solid on on Friday, and then obviously he had that big goal there at the start of the third on Saturday. So uh, solid choice. Um, you know I didn't want to echo um, Ingram as well. Um, so. But I do definitely agree that if one of them would have played Gross or Ryman, um, and it's going to be interesting. We do have a question about it, you know, like eh, all of a sudden I really like a lot of our center depth with how everybody kind of stepped up when it came to it. So, um, you know, we're going to have to put uh, maybe uh, put uh, Larson into a little bit of a pickle when it comes to once uh, once this bug kind of gets past everyone. Uh, but I do, I, I do have to uh, agree with Ingram, and I do see that uh, there's going to be a lot of, there's still a lot of upside with him. Uh, but I thought he was impactful and made really good decisions all weekend, um, and I was really impressed with his game. I thought this was the best that he's played so far in a Husky sweater, actually, and I think he is just going to continue to get better and better as his uh, his Husky career kind of goes on, you know, this year and maybe next. So uh, I do agree with you that it would be Ingram. I thought we were going to be having uh, differences, but like you said, it's uh, hard to pick um, when only one, you know, know, when so many people were shuffling the different lineups, but that's a testament to this team, uh, I I think. And it's, again, one of those things that, you know, even nationwide, you know, kind of looking at this team, you know, saying how we've underwhelmed, but I mean, we're two overtime goals away from sitting with, an incredible record right now so it's um you know that that is what it is you're going to get that but i've I've really liked you know we were able to win kind of a defensive game we were able to win the shootout here we're able to win one goal games these are all positives that i have um that we're going to take obviously um when michigan comes to down here this weekend speaking of those wolverines do we want to transition into uh, next weekend? Yep, that's uh, yeah all all we've got here for the uh, for the Minnesota Duluth series. Uh, we'll see them here at the uh, last weekend, I believe it is. So uh, our um, non conference tilts kind of continue here. We've got uh, Michigan coming up this weekend. And then over the New Year holiday, we've got uh, Bemidji State. So right now, when I was talking about those one or those overtime losses, those are two non-conference. So you kind of gather these uh, pairwise comparisons up like little uh, squirrels ready for the winter. Um, and it's uh, it, it's important as obviously we don't have another Big Ten team to get some of these uh, comparisons 
uh, Michigan's uh, kind of an interesting, interesting team. A lot of hype coming in, a lot of hype with, uh, you know, the recruits and who they've got. But they hit kind of a skid here um, also in November. Um, they've got a shootout win against uh, uh, Minnesota and a win against Penn State, a 6-4 to four win. But uh, they got swept at Wisconsin. They lost the game to Penn State and Wisconsin, or uh, Penn State and uh, Minnesota as well. Um, they've got a lot of points on the score sheet, but that's, you know, put an asterisk by that because they won nine to one and 10 to one against Lindenwood. So I, I, you know, it's daunting to look at all those point per games, but you know, when you're, when that's going to be your, you know, who you're running up against the score against, you know, they do have the seven to one win against uh, Ohio state and the seven to two against Michigan, uh, Massachusetts, uh, UMass. So, I'm not saying this team can't score, but, you know, some of those things can be just uh, a little bit deceiving. So I'm uh, really interested to see how this uh, this series is kind of kind of go and shake up. Uh, haven't played uh, Michigan since uh, the national tournament um, in the early aughts. So this is the uh, Mark Hardigan revenge series is, is what we're calling this one. So uh, what are you kind of looking forward to um, out of this uh, squad against Michigan? First time ever playing Michigan. First time Michigan's ever been in St. Cloud. I would imagine for for any sport. Uh, I, can't, I can't imagine. I mean, they don't have a women's team, a hockey team. So, uh, yeah, the first the time state of the, Michigan doesn't have a women's hockey team. That's right. It's so weird. Uh, women's D one hockey team. Right. I don't want to issue a yeah. correction next week. Yeah, Adrian uh, Erasure for the D three women's program that I think exists at adrian college but uh so yeah um maybe we'll do you remember i mean i it, the 01 and 02 games predate my husky fandom do they produce predate yours no you you've been going to the frozen four or for our, our final five by then so do you remember those games do you have any recollections of those two michigan losses um i uh, like my husky fandom you know, kind of started with the um, final five win um, in 01. Right. So, um, you know, when with the, they beat, they won, they won against the Gophers uh, three nothing and then six to five in overtime against North Dakota. That's kind of what really jump started my Husky fandom. Um, so then so their next the, game then would have been against Michigan. Yep. Their next game uh, was against Michigan where they lost uh, four to three. Um, so that's, but as, as far, you know, I mean, I don't think it was, I don't know what the television was, you know, I was, so I, I like, wasn't a hardcore dive right in. I want to see what happens, um, to the, to this team. So I would say it does predate like my big fandom when it comes to it. Um, but obviously people I've talked to, you know, can recount, you know, blow by blow of that game. Um, and the, the hard again hitting the post, that was the set, that was the next year. That was Correct. 02. Yep. And so the 01 game was in Grand Rapids and 02 was at Yoast. I think that's correct. I know one of those was at Michigan, like at their campus rink. And I think it was the second of those two games. And those are the only two times they've ever played Michigan anywhere. So they've only played them in the state of Michigan. They've played them once at their at Yoast in a tournament game. Um, they're going out to Yoast next year. The Huskies are. 
Uh, looking forward to that already. But um, I guess that's it for the history lesson. But the only two times I've ever played Michigan, uh, Red Berenson did not like to um, schedule the St. Cloud State Huskies uh, ever because he never did in his life. Uh, and so times they are changing because mm-hmm. Brandon Narado said yes to us. And don't we feel so loved. So by special. Getting, because yeah, I mean, we, this is the, the go for replacement series. So mm-hmm. I guess this will have to do. But uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, you mentioned the offense being buoyed by sort of one outlier weekend against uh, an overmatched uh, Lindenwood team. Uh, so second in the country in scoring um, goals per game uh, to second to Denver. Um, but, you know, take that with a little grain of salt because that is skewed by a 19 goal weekend. Um, but the firepower on this team, uh, it's, it's there. It's real. Um, yeah. Now, big development there here, Rucker McGrory, who put up a 39 point season last year and was off to an 18 point start this year, uh, went to the ER, uh, in this last series. Um, I think the Friday game, he got injured. And so his status is unknown. I, I saw, I was doing a check on that and he was doing fine at the hospital, but sentence fine at the hospital might not mean that you're necessarily going to play hockey then following week. So, if he's unavailable, that's obviously a big um, loss for them. Uh, one of their better players. Um, but this isn't like it's a one line team necessarily. I mean, you look at this team top to bottom, several lines where they can, they can run, um, you know, draft picks, three guys that are drafted. I mean, Nazar is a first round draft pick for them or by the Hawks playing for the uh, Wolverines, obviously this year, their top score right now is actually a point man, uh, Seamus Casey uh, on the point. Um, and he's scored, he's had a point in every game except one this year. Uh, again, a defenseman for them. Um, TJ Hughes. Yeah, he's, I mean, these guys all like put up 30 point years last year as well. And obviously guys like Fantilli, um, are gone from last year's on a high power team. They still have a Fantilli. It's his brother. He's a defenseman on a, on their team, Luca. Uh, not like he's the top scorer for them, but you're, you're going to hear the name Fantilli on the broadcast at least. Um, but you know the other team that's up there uh, in the nation, uh, the team that's higher than them in goals per game is Denver. Similar to Denver, Michigan's I think big vulnerabilities in goal. Uh, Jake Barchuski is their goalie. Uh, Canisius transfer. He would have had the net in that uh, 9-2 to loss to the Gophers in the tournament last year in Fargo. Um, and, I mean, put up some nine, decent nine, numbers nine, with Canisius. Nine. That's how many goals he gave up in that game. Um, but uh, playing, you know, put up good year, good numbers in Canisius and, you know, in a lesser league. It's not to the par that the Big Ten is, obviously. But put up some decent numbers. But his uh, transition to the big 10 hasn't been great. I mean, four goals in each of the games last weekend against Penn state. Um, you know, he had you know, one goal given up against Lindenwood and good games against Ohio state. Those are the two worst teams. I think they played this year. Uh, you know, he's sitting at a nine Oh five save percentage. Uh, he's a guy that I think St. Cloud can, can attack. Uh, and I think he's their weakness on this team. It's 
going to be interesting. I mean, if, if, like I said at the beginning of the show, if St. Cloud's going to put up six goals um, on a team like in Duluth that we think is like defensively decent and six goals with three injured, you know, play regulars injured, that should bode well when you're facing a team like Michigan, who's probably got a lesser goaltender and, and all that. But I think these, so I think these are going to be high scoring affairs. Um, and unless St. Cloud can, I mean, with, with Michigan, with the big 10 in general, I just think that they get used to playing the similar kind of, they all kind of play similar run and gun type of styles and this might be a bit of a culture clash for them. We'll we'll see how they how they react to a, a different kind of setup here. Um, playing on the fat ice, that's uh, something that this young team in Michigan hasn't uh, hasn't faced necessarily a, a whole lot in the past. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I I think I mean it'd be very important to get at least a win here, St. Cloud, as you said. Yeah. Yes, it's nice that the Huskies have righted the ship here um, and averted disaster from what it was looking like uh, at the end of October. But let's not forget that the hole that they dug themselves in October, uh, it's it reminds me of the 12-13 season, the first Frozen Four team, where they were terrible in non-conference that year. Uh, mm-hmm. And because of that, winning the WCHA, it still only got you a four seed in the tournament. Did and I think... Ever- did I ever tell you the story about uh, after the, uh, I believe it was Northern Michigan when I ran yes. into the Northern Michigan coach? Yes. So um, that season, um, Northern Michigan uh, swept us. And Northern Michigan wasn't good that year. And you were talking about how our non-conference, uh, you know, overall wasn't good. And I was just kind of ripping the team on Twitter and I was upset. So I ended up getting drunk at old Chicago. Um, which was kind of my watering hole. And uh, the assistant coach um, at the time was talking to him. Um, and he was, he, I don't know, he was just talking about how much he loved the atmosphere and he loved and people were razzing him. He was kind of a short, stocky guy, bald head, and people were razzing him. And he was just having such a good humor about it. Anyway, we were drinking and talking about hockey. And he's like, and he was just talking up the Huskies so much and saying that you guys have such a good team. And I was like, come on like like we got we got swept you guys just and we didn't look good at all yeah, the series. and it was like i don't know how you can say that and he's like hey you know just kind of goes about how hockey is just kind of this you know crazy beast when it comes to these things and it was like i'm not going to be surprised you guys are gonna make the frozen four this year i'll call that right now and i don't know if that's the booze is talking or if he is the liquor or, or what but you know, sure enough, he was right. And we were there in Pittsburgh uh, there for that. But yeah, like you said, we, we dug ourselves a hole. We were a four seed. And even um, even in, we were still kind of sweating on that bubble. Um, I remember oh, yeah. um, that it, we still needed, I mean, I think we were probably around 75 to 80% chance we were going to make it. So I think a couple of things had to happen for us not to win but it was still it was for us winning the wcha uh that year it was it was still we were really teetering on that uh that aspect of not making the tournament which is kind of crazy to think about right and also maybe a sign that you've got a bad system but that's neither here nor there because it's not like the conference was atlantic hockey or anything like that so 
Yeah, but um, I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, the losses to Mankato and St. Thomas and Alaska, I mean, Mike McMahon told me that I can look at the pairwise now. So um, <laughs> just peeking at that, you got Alaska at 25, you got Mankato at 28, you got St. Thomas at 31. And yeah, I mean, obviously there's time for those teams to move up, but specifically with the two CCHA teams and how horrendous that conference is looking, I don't think you're going to get like a team at neither of those teams are going to crack the top 20 Alaska. I mean, they got swept at Northern Michigan this weekend and Northern Michigan has been off to a bad start themselves. Alaska just, yeah, they have like a North Dakota series coming up, but the majority of their schedule is other independents like Lindenwood and Long Island. I don't think there's a ton of opportunities for them to make a huge surge up the pairwise. So losses to those. And yes, the Mankato, one of the Mankato losses and the St. Thomas loss were in overtime. So you got some pairwise benefit from those. They're not complete disasters, but those aren't going to be good results come at the end of the year. And so if, so that's what I'm saying. If you sweeps, if you sweep Michigan this weekend, you may have made up for like getting swept at Mankato or made up for the St. Thomas loss. You know, like uh, I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting a split this weekend. But even just one win this weekend, as you mentioned, with the pairwise perspective, common opponents with other Big Ten teams, um, you certainly don't want to get swept or you know lose and tie, for instance, like that, which you'd lose. Um, pairwise uh, comparisons to in that mm-hmm. case at least split um but if you can i don't know these these holiday weekends i mean we mentioned it when this was announced this weekend was announced because we were we knew that they were going to play this play michigan but we were i was at least i was a little surprised they were playing it on thanksgiving weekend because it's a weekend that st cloud has not played on typically i think just once in the last decade and that was uh, up in bemidji and so they haven't played a home series. We checked that. I think since 05, I think it was a home yeah. series at the Herb on Thanksgiving weekend. And it seems like these go like the road team tends to win the first game. I think it's like something where you're on the road at during a holiday. I think it's like a bonding experience and the home team is kind of turkeyed out and turkey coma and, you know, uh, kind of their legs are a little weak that first game. Remember like last year, Omaha went into Denver and, and spanked them that first day. Um, what a Friday after Thanksgiving. And so I'm going to say Michigan wins the first game, but St. Cloud comes back and wins the second game. But I would love to see a, a sweep, obviously. I mean, make this a perfect November uh, would be would be sweet. Um, but I think this Michigan team is, is quite good. I definitely think they're not a perfect team, though. Um, yes, they have some sexy stat lines and – uh, their scoring depth is, uh, you know, nearly unparalleled in the country, but they've got some weaknesses too. I think the Huskies obviously are playing very well at this point. If they can get healthy, I mean, it sounds like Reiners might be out for a little bit, bit here. Um, but you, you'd at least hope that the guys that had the illness are going to be back. We just hope that other guys don't have, don't catch what they've, that what's been going yeah. around. Um, you don't want to play games with 10 forwards too often. Um, so mm-hmm. let's hope we at least get healthy and, um, you know, send these guys back to Ann Arbor and make, make Norado not want to schedule them ever again. Yep. Um, yep. Go into a, a red Berenson kind of funk here and say, <laughs> yeah, why, why, why did we go here? Uh, 
but let's let's exactly. hope to see that happen. Justice for Mark Hardigan. Um, right. It's you know one thing. Also looking at um, looking at really the month of uh, November for Michigan and the struggles that they've had. Um, it all has kind of boiled down to collapses in that third period. Um, uh, against Penn State, they gave up th- uh, three goals. Oh no, that was three goals in the second period to Penn State. It was right. Um, what against Minnesota? They gave up two a late, goals. A late goal there to tie it. Yeah, on one of with those one games. second left. Uh, Jimmy Clark, and then and then two. Um in the third period for Minnesota to come back and win that game. Um, it was a last, another last second shot or close to it. Um, to Wisconsin, uh, to Wisconsin uh, that lost uh, the second game. And the first game, I think Wisconsin also came back down three or down two to end up winning by one. So it's, you know, yeah, so if, we're uh, saying like St. Cloud's been close, you know, with those overtime losses. I mean, a couple of extra seconds here. And not giving up these late goals, Michigan might have a much better record than they have uh, yep. now as well. Yep. So, so, uh, so that kind of goes both ways, and and that's also kind of a sign that, um, you know, if if the Huskies keep up with their tenacity and their, um, you know, making sure that they're able to kind of keep after it and get after the and and not let up, um, you know, because this team is is definitely. Uh, able to cough up, cough up victories, uh, which is going to be key uh, for the Huskies to kind of keep that, keep that drive, keep that compete level throughout the whole game to to really get that. Uh, I, I think you're going to see. Up. I mean, from what I've from what I've watched from Michigan this year, they're they're a team that goes in waves. Like when they're on, they can just pour it on pretty quickly. But then when the momentum shifts. And you kind of got them down a little bit. You can really pounce on them. Like that that second game against UMass, they they slaughtered UMass the first game, and then they were up two nothing about halfway through that second game. But then was uh, UMass scored one, and you could tell the momentum s- switched right away. And UMass ended up scoring, I think, six on them, and going and winning kind of handily. Oh, in that's that right, game. and that was all in the third period too, wasn't it? I think they tied it in the second. Again, we have the internet in front of us here. I can pull up the box score here. Uh, it was all in the third. Yeah, so it was, it was a 2 all. nothing lead coming into the third, and then six straight goals from UMass. And two of those were empty two netters. Two of them but, empty netters, but still. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's a team where they, they use momentum to their advantage, but it, it also can be their downfall as well. And so you, you, you get this team sort of in a rut, this is where it's like that Saturday game against Duluth. We're getting back to St. Cloud's inability to put teams away, and it almost burned them. Um, this is not a team where you can let a game slip away because I think not only can Michigan pounce on mistakes like that, but they can bury you, like tie it up, and then go up by two goals within five, a five-minute span, something like that. So just being calm, composed. I think you're going to want to be physical with this team. Um you know, Michigan, I think, might have the speed advantage on you, but I think you can use some physicality. If we're going to see a guy like uh, Caleb Tyson in the lineup again, um, that might not it might not be a bad recipe, especially if a guy like Reiners is going to be out. 
um, you know, they play kind of pretty boy hockey in the Big Ten there. So kind of goon it up a little bit, you know, introduce them to how the how the game's played over in the best conference in college hockey. Right. <laughs> so let's let's uh, yeah, let's let's get it. Let's get her done. Sure enough. So, um, yep, that'll be uh, that'll be a good series also to kind of see where we're at against uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um uh, as as well and, and and Penn State and how they kind of measure up there. So, you know, again, all those comparables are are big when it comes to and if McMahon says we can look at the pairwise, then all hail. So um uh anything else you want to say here about the men's or the weekends? Uh anything around college hockey in general? Um we had some ice issues out at Denver. Their uh, $55,000 a year tuition uh, doesn't help uh, the Magnus Ice Service. Uh, one of my favorite tweets was all the ice couldn't handle all the new lights that were installed at Magnus. So that was that was a good one. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I went back to, to watch, I mean, riveting hockey. But I, I just wanted <laughs> to see exactly what happened and how how it would have transpired from, yeah, just a little slight delay here to yeah we're really not going to play this game because that's like a yeah that's an interesting arc of a story but so it sounded like the zamboni i don't know the ice must have been uh, there must have been a weak spot behind the net because it was the nchc logo which is right behind the net part of that like came up out of the ice and like the Zamboni caught it when it was scraping it. And so then it just made the weak spot even worse. And they were trying to patch it up and it was literally, they're waiting around for ice to freeze. Ice to freeze. Yeah. And then they just realized this isn't going to work. Heather Weems was, was there in person. I think both ADs were there, which I don't necessarily know if, does like so, Omaha's AD travel to all their road games? I mean, they have yeah, all their sports. It might be like a, a Summit League powwow type of a situation, yeah, yeah, possibly. So. But um, commission the building. I'm sure she had some influence on them postponing the game for a, mm-hmm. for a day. But uh, yeah, if you had like a literary uh, inclination to you, like if if you're someone that hated the NCHC and thinks that the NCHC is ruining college hockey, that's quite the symbol there. <laughs> the, the logo of the conference is what uh, per, what caused the ice service to be unplayable. So um, weird situation there. And I think it I mean, does it does it benefit Omaha? Like they have to spend an extra day there and kind of throws their whole travel schedule off, probably. Um, but from their perspective, I'm sure that crowd on Sunday, I watched some of it. I'm sure the 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 audience was half of what it was on Saturday. If that, it was probably like a uh, atmosphere closer to like a COVID era atmosphere based on not, not a ton of people uh, showed up. At least it would have been as, as full as it would have been on, on Saturday. And so Omaha taking advantage of that scoring four goals right away in the first slash second period, um, the first period they played on Sunday. Um, And that's all they needed to, to win that game. A good road win for them. Um, I guess other conference action, you had Western Michigan sweeping Colorado College. Um, so Western kind of rebounds from getting swept at home against the Huskies to uh, you know a couple of, of good sort of defensive 
struggles against uh, CC, two tight games. But uh, Western emerging there, kind of making uh, St. Cloud's sweep look a little even better um, mm-hmm. with that. So uh, I, I think what you're, you know, I mean, you're seeing the the standings now. If you said Go Huskies, Woo thinks that the Huskies are in the driver's seat. I, I, if we're continuing a automotive metaphor, I'll pump the brakes on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but I will say this top half, St. Cloud, North Dakota, Western Michigan, Denver, I think that's your top four. Uh, it's not going to be necessarily be in that order, but I think we're seeing the emergence of two of two halves of the conference with Omaha maybe being the wild card, uh, Western and Omaha maybe being the wild card. But I think yeah, I Duluth, mean, I've always Duluth, been bullish on on Omaha, but like it's it, you don't know what team is going to take the ice right. with them. It's flip a coin, right? So, and then, yeah, I mean, Duluth, Duluth looks to be solidly second half of the conference this year. Miami, I mean, that's where they live. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're moving anywhere there. And CC, again, cute story, but I think just a little early for them. And I think Western kind of showed us really uh, their limitations as far as they, they just don't. And they have that good top line with Laba and the guy named Gleb, um, who I can't pronounce the last name. But other than those two, they're really not scoring at all. And even a good performance from Embarico, who who played fine against Western, but you just you got to score uh, in this league, and if you're not going to do that consistently, uh, it's not going to be uh, bode well for a home ice position. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the uh, certainly the the top three of St. Cloud, North Dakota, and Denver, I think, is emerging um, still with you know. So St. Cloud's got a bit of a break with no North Dakota. Uh, at North Dakota this year. Yeah, so they yeah. play them once. They play Denver twice. Um, and so conversely, can't stop North- a puck. Yeah. Denver's got some goalie issues. We mentioned uh, Matt Davis losing his job to this Freddie Halleck who started off with some good games against some lesser competition, but the last couple of weekends has come crashing back to earth uh, with several sort of not great Bob performances. And it sounded a lot on that broadcast that I listened to that, that Davis part of that might've been an injury concern with him as well, but he wasn't looking fantastic. Even if he was perfectly healthy early in the season too. So yeah, that's a definite uh, weak spot for them because they both, can score at will, but they're giving up a lot too. Both are at 87% uh, save percentage which I believe yeah. is 60th in college hockey yeah. as yeah, far not, as the team goes. Work. So that's, that's not going to work long-term. Right. You know, and in North Dakota too, I mean, yeah, for all that we say about Ludwig Pearson, I mean, he gave up four goals and I think 16 shots, uh, 13 shots. He gave up four goals and 13 shots that Friday game against Miami is his old team. Um, I mean, he's been better than, uh, what North Dakota had last year, that's for sure. There wasn't too difficult to improve on what last year's goaltending performance was for them. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's a, he's not Hashik, uh, let's say. And um, I think North Dakota solid, like I said, I think they're, they're in that top three. Um, and conversely, if we're talking St. Cloud gets a break, not, not having to see North Dakota two series this year, North Dakota has the same break, just only playing St. Cloud once. Um, they've got Denver twice, including a, an upcoming series here at Magnus, which will be a, a good one to watch. But um, of those three, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, Denver, 
lost some points, some footing here with dropping this game to Omaha that if you want to make that really pay off for St. Cloud, that means you got to sweep Omaha when you play them. Yeah. Um, but because, uh, again, we, we have the in unequal amount of games played here. Um, but uh, uh, so I'm not I still would probably give Denver um, the edge because I think they can figure out their goaltending. But um, it's I mean, you keep winning every game you play in the conference. Uh, you can't be beat. I, I think that's uh, a mathematical law is if you win every single game, three points, you will, you will win the conference. <laughs> so that's the, that if, if that's, yep. if that's the plan, then yes, I agree. St. Cloud's in the driver's seat. Driver's seat. Sure. Sure enough. So, um, Let's uh, let's head on, head on over to the women. Uh, the uh, men weren't the only ones to sweep and take care of business. The uh, women, as well, uh, able to uh, go ahead and take uh, all six points uh, against St. Thomas in a home and home series. Um, I was at the bar with my phone up, watching at the dugout uh, with a dirty buffalo in my hand, uh, watching the uh, uh, Friday game, uh, the riveting one nothing game where, um, you know, we're used to St. Cloud kind of being on the other side of it um, in some of those, you know, you know, five, ten years or, you know, five years ago, somewhere in there, um, where we were heavily outshot, um, but able to kind of keep it tight. This time, other way, you know, we outshoot uh, St. Thomas 39 to 12 at one point. Uh, I think I looked at the score bug and I think it said 25 to two. So it was uh, definitely an instance where, you know, we were out shooting Avery Myers uh, from Maddie Pe- Peterson uh, for the, for the lone goal uh, with, I believe it was Avery's first. It was um, of the season uh, in just a, just a gorgeous uh kind of feed from Maddie in a backhand uh, or a, a, a deke to kind of slide it uh, uh, past um, uh, Califrank. So, um, so that's, uh, you know, it, it was just one of those instances, you know, we weren't able to put the puck in the net, had plenty of chances. It was, it was one of those where it's like, uh, Ahola was the starting goaltender, but it's like, okay, you're not going to score on Ahola. <laughs> so it's like, we're just kind of running down the clock. But at the same time, it's like, you, you'd like to see some more kind of pop in that. Uh, and then Saturday's game comes around and it's, you know, a little bit more of the same story. Um, it's, uh, again, dominating on shots. We went on shots, you know, first period, I think it was like 14 to two and then 15 to four in the second. Um, uh, St. Thomas did end up getting a little bit more in the third, but that was after Emma Gentry's uh, uh, goal in the third uh, early on to make it a two nothing game. And again, it's one of those situations. It's like you're not gonna you're not gonna score on JoJo. So, um, so that's kind of the situation. Um, for for the Huskies team, Maddie Peterson gets the first one assist from Avery Myers, who kind of returned the favor um, in, in that game. So I think uh, pretty obvious who my uh, uh, pal was going to be uh, for that one is going to be uh, uh, Maddie Pe- Peterson with a uh, goal and assist. Avery Myers flip a coin. It's one of those two. I'll go with I'll go with Myers. All right, for my I'll pal. Go, I'll go with Peterson. 
Yeah, it was, I, I, I have to be honest, it was a bit of a frustrating weekend watching yeah. these games because it was not close, the the amount of scoring chances and the amount of breakaways and two-on-ones. And, I mean, it's not to say St. Thomas didn't have their chances. They had a couple of breakaways and a couple of odd, odd man rushes as well, but just so tilted towards the St. Cloud offensive zone and yet only able to put in three goals. We've mentioned, you know, I mentioned this during the Bemidji series. Oh, Bemidji's goalie was, he was standing on her head. Uh, Mankato, both of their goalies played really well that weekend. And, and I'd like to say the same thing. Yeah. Cala Frank played great on Friday and, and then King played well on Saturday for St. Thomas and yeah, what 40 saves each, each game basically for, for these St. Thomas goalies. But at some point it's like, if we're saying this to every single goalie that St. Cloud's playing, it might be that St. Cloud just needs to finish these chances mm-hmm. a little bit more. And it, it, it worries me going into the rest of the season. Yeah. A win's a win. And if you have these goaltenders, you don't need to score a lot, but I mean, these games should have been five, six goal wins based yeah. on the amount of uh, chances that St. Cloud uh, had more than St. Thomas this weekend. And, you know, you're going to need more than one and two goals to beat Ohio State coming up. Uh, you're going to need more than one and two goals to beat Minnesota and Duluth even. Um, mm-hmm. We saw Duluth get swept this weekend uh, at home against the Gophers. And so that, you know, it's a tie for fourth place right now. But St. Cloud technically is ahead because they've only played one fewer game. Again, mentioning like, uh, you know. Which is going to even up very soon. Right. Yeah. It, 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 that doesn't matter as long as you then have, you beat the Gophers, you know, like uh, mentioning, like if uh, Denver drops this game to Omaha, you make that count by sweeping Omaha when you play them. Well, in order to hop Duluth, you've got to outpace what Duluth's results have been. And so if they are swept by the Gophers, then certainly um, you can help, uh, you know, uh, you know, make up for that point differential by doing better than, Duluth is against those common opponents and they have a chance to do that soon or, you know, playing Duluth head to head here coming up quick here too. So um, it's obviously, it's, it's a good sign. It's, it's nice that we've evolved to the point where I'm frustrated with the sweep (laughs) for this women's team. Yeah. But it was, again, it's just like these two on ones I'm seeing is just like, God, it's like every one of these were just shooting it right into the, the goalie. And it's just like, let's, let's just um, win convincingly here. We don't, we shouldn't have to sweat this one out. St. Thomas is not a very good team. Um, but um, you know, it's again, the, the, the goaltending and um, the defense is, is certainly stepping up again. Him, him, Laurel played it another weekend at the point. Cause we're still mm-hmm. without grace Wolf. Uh, so I'll off this weekend. And I'm wondering if that is another one of these well-timed bye weeks. So. Cause you, you mentioned that you saw Wolf on crutches. Yep. And I'm not sure. Now, now I do. I think she was sitting in the same spot because they kind of, I think all the scratch players have their own little corner um, of the ice that they sit, they sit in like section 101 um, right there. And I believe Grace Wolf wasn't on crutches anymore. Um, I was going to say, I don't know so. how long you're going to be on crutches. And my only experience after I, um, screwed my knee up when I fell, when I was drunk, I went on, I was on crutches. I was only on crutches for two days. And then I was, I was good without crutches after that. So I'm wondering, she's an athlete. You'd think that you wouldn't have to spend a ton of time on crutches based on 
me recovering from a drunken fall <laughs> in relatively short, uh, relatively short time. So, I mean, um, you had alcohol to help you though, like to kind of get you back going. I don't, I don't I didn't, know if I didn't, I, also, I did not realize I was that injured until the next day. So <laughs> exactly. that did help. Um, no lie. <laughs> so. It did help, but I'm hoping that yeah, a couple of weeks off here and maybe she's chucked the, the crutches because I mean, that's a big, that's a big key. Cause that's a big key. Cause because him or over like we, this weekend, especially and against, um, uh, well, we're coming up to the I, first of the two gauntlets. Yeah. December is a gauntlet. You got two it, two at Ohio State, a single game against the Gophers, and on a Tuesday, and then you got two at home against Minnesota Duluth. And it just shows how lacking we are in a fire punt, or like from a goal scoring perspective. And when we put one of our, you know, who plays on a national team caliber player up front, but put her on the back end. I mean, that just kind of takes a bullet out of your chamber, so to speak, of, of somebody who has proven to be able to put the puck in the back of the net. And it shows when we're looking back at, you know, two goals, one goal, two goals, two goals, two goals. And she's playing ad- admirably uh, on the point. I mean, she's playing fine, holding her own there. But she's your leading scorer. She's got the most points on the team. She's got the most goals on the team. Um, you put – and. And Wolf herself, I mean, she was a pow the weekend before mm-hmm. she got injured. Her last yep. weekend was your, she was a pow and she was probably my one B pow to, to Dale Ross. Dale Ross yep. And so she's one of your best defensemen, if not your best, maybe your second best. And see so you slot one of your top two defensemen and then you move Himlerova down to her natural position where she's again, pacing the team and scoring. It's like you improve both positions. And you, you kind of you, you can't go into these this first gauntlet here um, at anything less than full strength if if you really want a good shot here, and yeah. so so I I hope that this 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 second bye week out of three now uh, kind of a it's quirky schedule. Um, yeah, you know, you got such, was saying that too. It's just kind of a weird schedule how this is all laid out because you got you just were loaded up in October played nine times in the month of October uh, in the entire month. Soundboard is loading. I'll edit it. <laughs> nine times. And then you, you run into November, you get two bye weekends out of three uh, off one weekend. You play this weekend against St. Thomas and you're off another weekend. Then you play five games in eight days at the beginning of December. Uh, and then you're off for a month and change uh, until the second half. And then even then, the second half, you've got this weird, well, I mean, starting with December. So from December 5th, that Tuesday game, home game against the Gophers, through the end of January, you're playing eight out of nine games at home. Nine, 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 you've only, nine. And you're not leaving the state. You've, the one road game is a game at St. Thomas in January. But then flip the calendar over to February, you end the regular season with your last eight games and six of those eight, seven, excuse me, seven, seven. of those eight are on the road. So you go from home heavy to then just road heavy. And that's, it's weird. And in the middle of that is like the second gauntlet when you're doing Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Duluth. 
five of those eight games are on the road straddling from January to mm-hmm. February. And so, yeah, so this up this first gauntlet where you got Ohio State on the road and then Minnesota and then Duluth for two games, this is going to go a long way here. Um, and with three of those games at home, I mean, I, I can't I, three and two seems greedy based on the quality of opponents here. But I mean, it's going to be hard to win a game at Ohio State. I'll say that they Ohio State's sweeping Wisconsin this weekend mm-hmm. at home really sort of putting, I think, their stamp on or their their claim to being the best team in the country now that they've beaten Wisconsin, Wisconsin previously undefeated. But Ohio State, I thought, sort of convincingly sweeping that series. Uh, and, and again, it is a so, it is a banged up Wisconsin team. But I think yeah. Ohio State is is even a step up in competition from Wisconsin, which we've obviously now, mentioned how well St. Cloud played against them a couple of weeks. Now, ago. who knows Wisconsin, a healthy Wisconsin, which they aren't as as well right so um right. but i mean you're looking at like one and two um in college hockey right or i guess overall is ohio state and colgate and they played uh back in september and they split and those are the it's great series both teams only lost right um both and teams. one of those the the ohio state win i believe was in overtime the yes. colgate win was like a last minute regulation winner so both of those games um, were very tight, and nearly both of them went to overtime. But uh, yeah, Ohio State looks really good. It's, it's it would be difficult to expect uh, coming out of there with any points. You, you you'd love to see it, but based on that quality of opponent, tough tough to expect that. But um, coming back with the Gopher home game on Tuesday, and then that Duluth series, you're the the fate of a home ice position might lie on on the Duluth results this year, yeah. And so, kind of looking at that series, just being like at least take the majority of points. I mean, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but just now that this section of the season's done, now we're we're basically into the two gauntlet era, the two gauntlet section of the schedule with the big Christmas break in between. But you got this five game set coming up. You get a little bit of a break. You start the second half with your Mankato and your St. Thomas, kind of like your tune-up games, and then it starts again. And yeah. we just want to be as healthy as possible during that time. We we want the goaltending to continue being their 950 save percentage pace. <laughs> and there's nothing that – we can't expect anything less than that at this point. But, I mean, it's it's – it's been a fun season so far. It's just I feel like this team is is close to just getting to that next level yeah. of kind of domination, not just on the shots on goal and the goaltending metrics, but also the scoreboard as well. Because I don't think one to nothing and two to nothing in St. Thomas is is you know overly impressive, but. Yeah. And, I don't want to complain too much. Well, and and here's the thing: us complaining shows how much this program right. has grown. I mean, under under Adolski, um, because I mean, needless to say, it was nearly in shambles. Um, so us like having these expectations and then um, complaining about it is ultimately it's a good sign. Um, but I am going to kind of leave it on this. And you have somebody on the bench who has been a goal scorer at every level in Grace Delmonico. Hashtag free Delmonico. I and 
I, I just I just don't understand. You play Greta Henderson, uh, a freshman, and I think there was one play especially where I think uh, like three teammates called for a puck or for her to pass. She ends up kind of circling the wagons and then tries to fire a shot, and she whiffed on the shot. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. Oh. It was, it was just kind of one of those kind of frustrating moments and probably for her as well. I don't want to rain on her too much, but at the same time, it's like, it's like you're having trouble scoring goals. You got somebody who's been a goal scorer. I don't know. Unless there's something else going on with her. Obviously I don't know. Cause I don't have any updates on it, but I do want to see her sometime throughout the year just to see what she can do. And hopefully like just some kind of a spark in, in, in getting some pucks passed. Uh, the goalie. So I don't know if he's hell bent on red shirting her this year. I mean, there's been so many opportunities. I mean, Lynn's yeah. injury, Gentry's injury. I mean, you're playing Himmlerova out of position uh, as a result of the Wolf injury. So there's been ample opportunities, and and maybe he just thinks that she's a little too young. I don't. I, I'm not sure. I just I'm more saddened for you to lose that uh, prop bet. Yeah. Um, right? at the beginning of the year. I will say with, with Hidalski, I've really come to appreciate, I mean, I, I've mentioned on this show about how much I enjoy angry coaches when they, when like they're yelling at refs, he has a specific style that it's not just like, I'm just going to blow up and just one thing is, I don't know if you've ever mentioned it or noticed this, but chewing gum, if you chew gum, you can chew gum in a way that makes you a complete dickhead and an effective one. (laughs) And he's an effective dickhead gum chewer because so on a scale of like Mike Tice, kind of like where, where do you kind of, but it's, you know, he kind of was like, he, he does it in a way like he also does this thing where, Someone's talking or like a ref ref is talking to him and he has this thing where he just chooses gum. It's to the, it's almost like you, you wait until the split second before someone says, do you, did you hear what I said? And then he, then he says, yeah, no, screw that. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. And he, but, and he's chewing gum that entire interim period. And so, and then he'll just do this kind of like, Oh yeah, no, no, and like just the looks and his mannerisms, like because this Larson gotta, for them. I gotta watch this. I gotta, I gotta pay attention. We could go back awesome. to the end, to the end of the Friday game because Larson, the defenseman Larson, um, number six, just got leveled um, about ten seconds to go in the game, and there was a long delay because she was like she was seeing stars, and so she had to kind of get helped off the ice, and you can tell he's just like. Oh, kind of missed one there, huh? Um, and again, he's he's doing the gum, and he's kind of leaning back on the wall a little bit, and he's just not happy. But it just he's got the look that he's like, "Are you angry?" I don't think you <laughs> are. But then he'll just kind of he'll sort of have a little smirk, and he did that when the uh, the too many players penalty too against Wisconsin. Yeah. He that was maybe the most angry I've, I've seen him. Uh, but again, it takes him a little bit to get going, and I I appreciate I appreciate it because it's not like Lou Pinella. He's not charging. He's not George Brett running out of the dugout full bore. It's a slow burn, and I think it's effective. Yeah. So and that's how he talks too, like in the press conferences <laughs> yes. as well. He's so succinct and and he's got a specific cadence to him. Yeah. So I, I imagine, like it. 
yeah, interesting. So I'll I'll definitely take a look at that. So uh got a couple of questions here. Um so we'll go through them quickly since we're at an hour and a half plus. Um, um, how do you think the Michigan series will be attended being it's Thanksgiving weekend? Um, I judging by like the ticket sales from like the website and whatnot, I think it's going to be pretty lackluster and I think it might be a little bit of a disappointment for the athletic department. I mean, anytime you're asking me about what I expect for St. Cloud attendance, uh, no matter the opponent, it's, I'm going to be bearish on that prediction. And as we've mentioned, they just haven't played this holiday weekend. I'm, I'm, I like the idea because we're going to get some data. I mean, if somehow there's 5,000 in the building each night, I would imagine they're going to schedule black Friday games for the next few seasons. Yeah. You can't get, I mean, other than an in-state rival or like specifically the Gophers or North Dakota, you really can't get a more intriguing matchup, I think, uh, than Michigan. You know, first time ever at the Herb, and everyone knows Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and so you'd think to try it this weekend against a team like Michigan is like the best possible scenario to do a trial run on if this is going to be a yearly thing. But yeah, like you said, I mean, we're still in deer hunting too, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's always the November, like everyone says deer hunting in November. That's what uh, hurts attendance for St. Cloud. So, you're still in the thick of that. and But perhaps, I mean, I'm going to be in the building uh, oh, on Saturday. There we go. And so, you might, we that's have, the thing. The, the Saturday, wild card is you might. A, a meet and greet. We might have to do that. We might should have we to arrange that. Set up a table that. right in front of the, uh, and, and do a live preview pod right in front of the. We might, if you want me to bring my gear, bring my (laughs) gear, we might have to do something like that. Um, But you, so that, that is a wild card. You might have the uh, possibility of people coming into out of town. I'll try to get a Dulce on. They're not playing this weekend. So, so yeah, let's, let's do that. So about Greece Monaco. Right. (laughs) Just see that gum start going. Do you like the, you you, you, you got any gum? (laughs) I was like an old Norm MacDonald as Letterman. It's like the stupidest stuff ever, but I, I continue to bring it up. I mean, that's Norm MacDonald, really. It's his comedy. (laughs) Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to, to do that. But see, you might get the, uh, the, the out of towners coming in for Thanksgiving that normally wouldn't take in the game. I still Let's guess what's what's your attendance figure. So it's Friday is always less than Saturday. Let's say Saturday attendance. I'm going to say thirty eight ninety six. OK, I, I was going to I was going to say a little bit. I was going to say a little over four, but OK, yeah, go go like for what? Just give me an exact figure and then we'll we'll do. And then we're not doing four ninety six. Four thousand ninety six, just under forty one hundred. OK, write write those two down and. We're not doing um, prices right. You know, like you got to be under. Like it's who's ever closer. Uh, let let me know so how I'm that at turns 4, out. Four thousand ninety six, and you're at what did I say? Thirty eight. <laughs> Thirty eight ninety seven. Okay, that's. Pro- I don't think that's exactly what I said, but let's let's just go with that. Thirty eight ninety seven. Sounds good. You you change your answer. Um, if that's the reason you win, I'm going to call shenanigans. So, um, well. Teresa and I went, uh, my, my wife and I, we went on 
we, I, we actually, I won tickets from work on Saturday. I also went on Friday because my parents were able to babysit and, and we went. So we just bought tickets at the gate. So, and like, I know the whole point that you lose money for a sellout um, because that means you're not pricing tickets well enough and, and, and whatnot. But for us two to go to the game, it was $72. And I think just in the end, you're just pricing out a lot of, you know, if you want to get sellouts, you could probably get sellouts, but you know, at the cost of the revenue and, 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 and whatnot, you've probably found a sweet spot there to get people, but also having that, uh, to uh, kids to an under or two and over need a ticket as well. It's like, that, that's, that's, that, that's quite a, quite a tough policy to have in place when you're trying to get families out to a game, when you know a family of four is going to cost you 150 some bucks to go and that's not even accounting any concessions or whatnot and it's not like those seats are great to begin with so i don't know it's i mean if they want to go for attendance and i know um i was following a few of the omaha fans as well because omaha ranks you know one of the top in the country when it comes to attendance but i know a lot of season ticket holders have been tweeting about how they're upset because there's flash deals all the time for five, $8 tickets. So you're just devaluing your season ticket holders when you have those types of pricing in, in place as well. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, kind of that weird balance of, well, do you want money or do you want, you know, the 60, you know, 6,000 or so people in the building? Um, well, right now, I can't really blame them for wanting more money um, when it, when it comes to it. So that's um, I don't know that that's just kind of what my thoughts when it comes to the attendance. I think overall it will be maybe a little bit disappointing when it comes to it for the holiday season, but um, or for, for the holiday weekend, but we'll uh, we'll see what, what it comes to. Yeah. And this um, I'd be interested to know like what the, uh, what the Michigan with a Wolverines hockey podcast I'd be interested, like, what their preview of this weekend is. Uh, it's not the more marquee sporting event for Michigan by a long shot this weekend because they got the Ohio State game right uh, on Saturday morning, I guess. Um, but uh, so this takes second fiddle to that. But it's probably one reason that St. Cloud's not playing there this year. It, and it'll be interesting when that return trip is scheduled, if it's going to be around like Thanksgiving next year, if they run into the same the, problem. Well, that's the thing. Like that's, that's yeah. what I hate about big 10 hockey. Cause they'll in football season, a lot of them will either do a Thursday, Friday, or they'll do a Friday, Sunday. And that would like, it was when we went to Boston a couple years ago to do the Northeastern BC trip, it was the BC game was on a Thursday. And then the Northeastern game was on a Saturday. It's like, he's got to spend an extra day there. Um, I just, I would rather it be earlier in the season, not in a holiday, because I'd like to make that trip. Uh, Yost would be on the bucket list. Yeah. But I'm wondering if we're locking into the Thanksgiving weekend, because I think Michigan usually does play. I know that last year they, they hosted Harvard on, on Thanksgiving weekend. So I'm wondering if now they get the Harvard of the Midwest. 
yeah, um, exactly. this year. So maybe, maybe they're, they are sort of keen on scheduling on Thanksgiving weekend and maybe St. Cloud gets that return trip next year on that holiday weekend as well. We'll, we'll see. I'll have to dig in. Maybe I'll, I'll have to hit up my sources to see if we got a next year schedule, uh, uh, some, some scoops on that, but, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting weekend and let's, uh, let's see who let's follow up on whoever wins the, uh, who's closest on the, on the attendance thing. Cause I'm interested in that. Sounds good. Uh, over under, uh, 25 combined goals. So we'll say 24 and a half goals, uh, for the alpha and the omega, uh, Werner and VT, uh, right now combined 10 goals, I think nine and one. Is that, uh, the case? I think so. So, uh, they're at 10 so far. Do you think they make it to 25? Well, we're like exactly a third of the way into the season. I mean, I guess that depends on how long your season goes, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're guaranteed to play 36 games counting two games of playoffs. Um, and they're 12 games deep. So that's one third in. So you just do the simple math. Vidi's on track for 27 by himself. (laughs) By himself. So I'll say sure. Say, yeah, why not? Over. Um, so, and Werner, we, I guess, I don't know. Um, I know He's been playing a lot, a lot better than four points would, yeah. would indicate. Yeah. I wanted to, or as we were talking about him here, I wanted to make sure that I know we didn't talk about him a ton in the uh, Duluth. Uh, I know you talked about him in the faceoff dots, but like, I don't know. I'm really impressed with his game. I, I think he's playing above a freshman. Um, no, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, Dan Jacobson has pivoted um, for from winless uh, winless in November. Are the Wolves for real? Um, I am not a basketball fan, and not because it's like basketball. It's just I don't know. I never really got into it. Um, but obviously, like March Madness, I find a, a lot of fun. Um, but I think a lot of that also is I'm not a basketball fan just because the Timberwolves have been just so bad and unwatchable for so long and it's like i kind of forgot what it's like to have like an exciting bet like basketball can be fun to watch it is possible are they for real i mean probably not but they are a minnesota uh, team so (laughs) so but um i will say excited to see where 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 it's gonna go and yeah they i I was looking into that um because I, I was doing reading on multiple websites because they're doing like an in-season tournament. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I really don't because they're doing it Tuesdays and Sat and Fridays, and you, you're in a certain pool. But but those are regular season games. Mm-hmm. But then the, after that, then there's another round where like the winners of the pool play the other winners of the other pools. And at some point the championship for this is like an exhibition game. It doesn't even count. And so I, I I'm like, I, this makes no sense to me. I don't know how it's like roping in casual fans. Cause it seems so damn confusing. Like they played golden state back to back days in golden state. And one of those games was a tournament game and the other one wasn't, but then all the stats count the same. And, I think they're just being way too cute on that. Cause I don't, I don't, it doesn't make any GD sense to me, but long story short, the uh, Timberwolves seem to be pretty decent this year. So 
I think Wait, roll, to... roll me over until the playoffs start, and then I might pay attention. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a like they're trying to capitalize on like what soccer does with some of their tournaments, where they kind of weave them in throughout the season. Those I don't I don't understand all those work either. Yeah. So if that's what they were trying to mock, then job well done. Job well done. It's still confusing. So, and if I was a fan, I'd be more into it. But uh, as of right now, I just look and it's like, wow, that is an ugly court that they're playing on. Because they always have to switch out the courts. Um, uh, rats on the ice uh, for the Ryman Sean Rosborough gross goal. Uh, Chester asked about that. Uh, the rat lines. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, gross's goal on Saturday was chef's kiss. And yeah, I, I mean, Ryman and Gross especially, I thought they played really well. Rosborough played played well. Ashan, I mean, he looks just like a menace out there, kind of really annoying to play against. He's the rat. Yeah, right? I, I, I would. Like, yeah. if we're like, because I'm not even sure we can call it the rat line because we're cycling through various guys at this <laughs> various point. people and Ashan's just a linchpin when it comes to but it, but Ashan seems to be the, the common denominator uh and so let's call him the rat uh let's let's go old school twin style let's call him Gaetti because uh, his nickname was the rat oh there so. we go perfect um and then uh last question are early season are the early season scratch players going to stay on um and that's kind of you know, the big question now is, you know, once this uh, bug kind of goes through everybody and we start getting people healthy, who does go, who does stay, you know, um, is, is there a way to get Barrett Hall maybe back on the wing and have gross, you know, kind of more of a mainstay at center? Um, it's, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see uh where everything goes i mean gross has been i guess kind of a mainstay stay on uh well, he's been kind of in and out as well maybe a little and, bit more but i mean this is the first i would say really impactful weekend that i saw from him um but i mean you you have ports you know where do you kind of fit him with everything you know you have the rat you have ryman you know you've got kind of a uh, traveling band of rotations. Um, but at the same time, who do you put out any given weekend? That's always, always a tough, uh, tough mix. And I, I don't know, you know, where I would list them right now on a tier list. Um, cause I want to see them all and just kind of see how they progress. Right. I mean, when I, when I listened to your podcast with, uh, with Alex Fern, Thank you so much for uh, stepping in, pinch hitting uh, last week. But uh, the one where I was yelling at the phone when I was listening to it is when you, you took a question about, do we think that these lines, these are the lines that we're going with the rest of the year? I'm like, no, he's always shuffling them about. I mean, it's possible that they've really clicked on something with the Molinar, Kupka, and Salkwist line. But as we saw, like this weekend, I mean, you had Salquist out with an illness, and then you had Molinar getting kicked out of the game with a major. So you had one of those guys, you know, finish the game. The other two were in the locker room or at home in a sick bed. Uh, and so I, I mean, that that line might stick around. I think that we've hit on Werner and Vidi for a, to a large degree, but especially with like the the rats, like they might just be sort of interchangeable, like. 
the one guy we, that's we saw Rosborough come this weekend and uh, make his presence known. But the one guy that seems to be completely buried is uh, a coin who's only played once yeah. this year uh, in the second, uh, the road game at St. Thomas hasn't seen any action since then. And he really didn't see much action really after like November of last year. Um, and you feel for him, it's like, you know, you know, he put up some good numbers in juniors up in Canada and uh, just hasn't been able to crack the lineup. And when he has, he's, he's not looked great. Um, but uh, you, you see a guy like Rosborough. Yes. He didn't put up any points, but I think he at least um, put in a good effort and it was noticeable in his two games this weekend. You'd hope that if there is a, situation where a guy like a coin is called on later this year that he gets a a similar performance, at least something that you take note on. And that continues. I mean, with those guys, you're continuing a a competition, a a healthy, friendly competition between those guys and between practice. And then the guys that are able to get game time action, um, you, you get you get play like we saw from Rosborough where they're itching to get back on the ice and they are playing like they don't want to be removed from the lineup again. If we get see more of that with guys like Gross and Ryman and these other sort of fringe freshmen that haven't established themselves as every game players, that can only be a good thing. And so from a perspective of anything cemented here, I don't think anything is. We're always going to get constant shuffling. We saw Okabe take some draws at faceoff, which he's just, that's not a great skill of his, but I mean, you're going to have to check out kind of depth like that. And maybe that is part of the benefit of the struggle of October is you're able to get some of those warts out of the system and get some guys, some experience playing some, you know, throwing him into the fight, the frying pan right away, um, even when they weren't maybe fully seasoned. And so we're reaping some of the benefits already, but I still think that it's a, it's a constant battle. Uh, and it's a good thing because I think the players are feeding off each other. And I think the team camaraderie as well um, is benefiting from that kind of competition as well. So I don't think that we're going to get we don't have four solid lines and we're not going to see any movement. I think that there's always going to be some shuffling in and out. And as we're seeing right now, there's just shuffling in and out of the lineup out of necessity due to injuries and illnesses. So, but as we've seen, we've got guys that are capable of stepping up and making an impact. And uh, that's really good to see. I totally forgot. All coin was on the roster. (laughs) Like you yeah. played the, the second game against St. Thomas and then gone. So that's uh, like you said, kind of the, uh, the odd one out there. But, uh, well, that about does her uh, for this uh, episode. Just a, just a nice two hour podcast uh, here. Husky's hockey podcast, but uh, we had a lot to talk about. So, um, yeah, I'll I, uh, thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, go Huskies! Woo! Woo!